Bhagavad Gita is a book of mankind's collected experience of and answers to life's most basic questions. Who I am? From where do I come? What is my purpose and destiny? And most practically, how do I find happiness? These podcasts originate in the lectures of Neil Bhatt, a disciple of Swami Chinmayananda. They are presented here in 20 to 30 minute segments, each covering three of the Gita's 701 verses. Welcome to Gita Wisdom for Daily Living. We will be discussing Chapter 2, Sankhya Yoga, Yoga of Knowledge. So Yoga of Knowledge means uniting with the knowledge. So the knowledge can be generally classified into two categories. One is secular knowledge and sacred. Secular is the knowledge about the world of objects. So even to get the secular knowledge, what we generally have to do is to make observations of the objects and then understand them. So all the objects in the world which we know about today are not dependent on my personal observation, my personal understanding. The generations of scientists and mathematicians and experimenters have gathered this information and passed them to us. So our knowledge is based on the efforts of generations of great thinkers. Sacred knowledge is something similar. So the knowledge about the self is also, it is not my personal experience right now, but I have to depend on the generations of sages who very carefully contemplated on the nature of the self. And those declarations are basically recorded in Vedas in our tradition. The knowledge they gained in their contemplation, in their observation, in their meditations are recorded as declarations in Vedas. The Veda means to with, is to know, and the book of knowledge is Vedas. So there are four Vedas, Ruk, Sam, Yajur, and Atharva. Based on the declarations of Vedas, there are six Darsan Sastras in our traditions. Various masters have taken those declarations and formulated a school of philosophy to explain the truth, the nature of the self. And that became the six schools of philosophy, Darsan Sastras in our tradition. They can be generally categorized into three main categories. The first is called Tarka, logic. They come to the conclusion about what the truth is by logical conclusions. So that's called Tarka. And there are two great masters, Kannada and Gautam. They formed their Darshan Sastra, which is called Vaisheshika Nyaya. Out of the six, five of them do not believe that God can be realized by meditation and knowledge. Only the last one, Vedanta recognized the fact that God can be realized by meditation and knowledge. So they said they can be classified into three. The one is Tarka, which is logic. Second is Sankhya or Sankhya. That is the logical enumeration of the facts. Very logical argument about what is the truth and how we come to that conclusion. And Kapil Muni is the author of Sankhya philosophy. 
but he did not include the creator Ishwara or the God principle in his philosophy. So his Darshan Sastra is near Ishwara's rank. Ishwara is not included in his thesis. But then Patanjali included Ishwara in the same Sankhya philosophy, so it becomes Sa Ishwara Sankhya. And the last one is called Mimansa, deliberations, deliberating the fact, deliberating the facts which are available to us and come to the conclusion what is the real truth. It's called Mimansa. So the declarations in Vedas are in basically two general categories. The earlier part of Vedas is called Karmakanda. The later part of the Vedas is called Jnanakanda. The deliberations made based on the earlier part of the Vedas is called Purva Mimansa. Jaimini Rishi made a treatise on this Purva Mimansa, methodical path of how to achieve the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal in Purva Mimansa is to go to heaven. All the good deeds or good rituals when you perform and acquire merits, punya, then you are given a place to experience happiness and peace and bliss. And that state is called swarga. So the goal of life as Papurva Mimansa is to achieve the swarga. Based on the Jnanakanda, the later part of the Vedas, the Darsan Sastra, which was developed by Sage Badarayan, is called Uttar Mimansa. Later means later. So the Uttar Mimansa is the one recognized the one single entity Brahman. So various teachers and acharyas have taken the basis from one or the other of the Darsan Sastra and created the schools of thoughts in our culture. There are basically three. Dvaita, the dualistic school. God and I are two different entities. We will never become one. God is the master and I am his servant. The Dvaita. Advacharya founded the school of thought. Ramanujacharya established Visist Advaita, which says God is the whole and I am part of him. So most of our Vaishnava Sampradaya is based on Visist Advaita. And then the last one is Advaita. Bhagavan Shankaracharya established the school of thought called Advaita, based on Vedanta. Vedanta means end of Vedas. End of Vedas, we have Upanishads. The declarations in the Upanishads, which says, Myself and God is one and the same. Tattvamasi, that thou art. That which I am seeking is none other than my own self. That school is called Advaita philosophy, non-dualistic school of thought. So the Bhagavad Gita, the people have seen from all different points of view. In our tradition, Chinmaya Mission tradition, Sankaracharya's tradition, we typically look at it from a non-dualistic school of thought. So the chapter literally combines all these various schools of thoughts into understandable philosophy which takes the salient points of all three philosophies. But in nature, it is still Advaitic, and therefore we have seen in Gita Matve, Advaita Amruta Varshinim, which teaches us that myself and God's self is one and the same. So therefore, this chapter is titled 
Sankhya Yoga, Yoga of Knowledge. Predominantly based on the Sankhya philosophy of its logical conclusions. So it is more scientific and modern in its approach towards the truth. Ask questions. All our Upanishads are in the form of dialogues between student and a teacher. Student asks question, the teacher answers the question or give him guidance. So it's never to be taken without any understanding. If you don't understand, ask questions. Bhagavad Gita is basically in the same format. Bhagavan gives advice. Arjuna, if he does not understand, he stops him and says, well, let me tell you what I don't understand. Clarify for me. So that's the tradition where you do not take anything for granted without understanding it. So the chapter to Sankhya Yoga is now giving us a thumbnail picture of what the core declarations in Vedas. In modern day presentation, effective presentation generally in three parts. Tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them, and then tell them what you told them. So, <laughs> so you go to any professional meeting, you're an agenda. So you basically tell them what we're going to discuss today is an agenda. After that, we're going to discuss on those items on the agenda. At the end of the meeting, so let's conclude. What are the X and I, what we agreed on? So that conclusion. So that tradition is started by Bhagavan Vedvyasa, not our marketing guru. <laughs> so chapter 2 will tell us what we will be discussing throughout Bhagavad Gita. Then we'll be discussing Bhagavad Gita. And chapter 18 will tell us what we discussed all throughout Bhagavad Gita. Conclusion. Action items. What we have to do now. After that I have learned Bhagavad Gita. So the Sankhya Yoga is yoga of knowledge. Assuming that I don't have the knowledge right now, therefore I'm going to learn. So chapter 1 gave us the scenario of our life situations. We typically live our life by complaining about injustices, discriminations, unfairness. And therefore what we do is we try to prepare ourselves for overcoming those obstacles. That's what we call education, training, internships. These are basically our preparations. Now, is the preparation good enough to achieve success and happiness in life? The answer is no. There's something more. All the graduates who come out from the university, they don't achieve exactly the same results. They're all prepared. They don't achieve the same results. Why? Because there is something else that they, they differ from each other. Their inner strength and inner qualities and inner understandings of how to deal with the situation. When you encounter a situation, will you be able to take the right decision? What to do and what not to do? is basically the training in the spiritual quest. If we have the clear understanding about what my position is in this situation, and what my role is in this situation, then I'll be able to take the decision correctly. If I represent a company, and when I go to a meeting with my client, if I have clear understanding what my role is as a company employee, then what my goal is here 
then I will take the right decision. But if I misunderstand my role and introduce my personal objectives and personality into that discussion, then I as a company representative will fail. I actually never get a chance to be on the selection side of an interview. Typically, I'm more a candidate for pitching your services to other people. Once in a while, I get an opportunity to, to be on a selection side to interview contractors. And I just had one interview like that, and after the three or four candidates we interviewed, we were obviously sitting down and making selection. So there were four or five people in the room. And you can tell that some people are completely unbiased, and they really have no X to grind. But then there are some people who say, well, yeah, but I know that guy, and I like him. So I'm, I'm now injecting my personal bias into the decision-making process. If you take that personal bias out of it, your decision will be relatively correct. But once you start seeing it through your personal bias, your decision will be deluded. May or may not be correct. So what we have seen in Chapter 1 is, when your personal attachments and biases are overwhelming you in facing the situation, the chances of your failure is much greater. So we've seen the Arjuna when he was part of the Pandava's army as a general, he was very enthusiastic and very, very confident about his ability to fight. But as soon as he starts seeing other people as his relatives, he basically introduced his own attachment to them. And that's where he got confused and broken down. So that was the scenario of the first chapter. Basically gave us a, a mirror to our own situation. Why we fail in some situation and we succeed in other situations. The situations where I was overwhelmed by my own attachment and biases, it did not let me take the right decision. Situation where I have kept myself out of personal biases and saw the situation through a correct lens. If I was a part of a community, part of a country as a citizen, or a part of a company as a company representative, I take the right decision. So chapter two obviously starts with continuation of the dialogue between Arjuna and Krishna. Mainly Arjuna spoke about himself. Krishna has not said anything. Sanjay has been narrating it to Dhritarashtra what's going on. So chapter 2 starts with Sanjaya's reporting back to Dhritarashtra, which says, Tam tatha krupaya vistam asrapurna kulekshanam visidantam idam vakyam uvacha madhusudana Simple reporting to Dhritarashtra that this is what Krishna said to Arjuna. Because it may be possible that listening to Arjuna, Dhritarashtra may have developed some hope that I think this is going to be the end of it. I think Arjuna is going to convince Krishna to let's pack our bags and go home. And when Arjuna is not there, either they all will go back or even if they fight, they are not going to win without Arjuna. So Dhritarashtra may have some hope that the strategy is working. Arjuna is now 
broken down completely. In this psychological warfare between what is right and wrong, our emissaries went there, their emissaries came here, we put our argument, they put theirs, we won our Arjuna. So Sanjay said, wait a minute, let me tell you what Krishna told him. Tam tatha, tam to him, tatha thus. Krupaya avistam, he is describing Arjuna's condition. Krupaya avistam, he is overwhelmed by pity. Astrupurna, he is crying. Can you imagine a general in the army, on the battlefield, ready to fight, crying? If you hear that in our modern world, what would you do to that general? What would you think about? Astrupurna, he is not even normally just having doubts whether to fight or not. Complete problem, he is crying. Kulekshanam, completely agitated. Visidantam, depressed. Idam vakyam uvacham madhusudana. Madhusudana addressed him with these words. Now those words are now important for Dhritarashtra to listen. Hoping that Krishna will say, I think it's a very noble idea. Why should you kill your own cousins and your teachers? Well, let's go home. Krishna very simply says, Kutahatva kasmalam idam. Visame sam upasthitam. When did this dangerous depression come over you? How did this happen? You know, I did not expect you to be in this situation. Simple question, how did you end up in this situation? Anarya justam. This is not something Arya general or a prince would do. Anarya justam, practiced by non-Aryans. You can say they didn't have great respect for People who are not Aryans. <laughs> very proud people. Aryans are very proud people. That we have the system. We know how to live. We have the civilized society. In our civilized society, there are rules. Each one is assigned a duty in a role. And that person has to follow his duty according to his role without any exception. So that's how the society works, you know. That we are all basically call ourselves part of civilized society because we have rules and we practice. When we drive, we drive on the right side of the road, not on the left side of the road. And if you're driving on the left side, someone will stop you and say, where do you come from? This is something they practice, not us. In England, in India, but not here. Anarya justam. Running away from your duties is practiced by people who are not Aryans. Aryans don't do that. Anarya justam. Aswaryam. It will exclude you from going to heavens. Going to heaven little means after this, you will have no peace. You are performing your duties because at the end of the day, what you want is happiness. Which what we translate into swargam. When I am happy and peaceful and blessed, I am in swargam. I am in heavens. When I'm agitated and not feeling good, no matter the condition may be the best outside, but I'm actually in hell. It will exclude you now onward having any peace or happiness in your life if you run away from it. Oh, Kirti Karam. You're very proud that you're the best archer and the greatest warrior. Then we'll be all gone after this. You'll be disgraced. Oh, Kirti Karam. Oh, Arjuna. You value all these things. You value your duties. You take great pride that you live your life 
and perform your duties correctly. You are seeking happiness and peace. And also the great pride in having this reputation that you are the best. How did this happen to you? And then without wasting any time, he said, this is what I would like you to do. Klebhyam masma gamaha partha na etat eva upapadyade. You don't give in to this importance, weakness of your heart. Shudram hrudaya daurbalyam tyaktva. Give up this weakness of your heart. Uttista parantama. Get up and fight. Parantapa, scorcher of foes, maybe encouraging him that you are the one who destroy your enemies. You are known for that. What happened to you? Where did this weakness come upon you? So, get up, give up this, and start fighting. So, any hope the trust had is probably melted away. Then Krishna reintegrated. Arjuna is still not really ready. So, he makes the rest of the argument. Katham bismam aham sankhe dronam cha madhusudana. And there's a lesson to be learned. If we see somebody who is not doing or performing as we expect, just telling them that stop doing this and start working. Or tell your children, stop playing around and start doing homework. That's not going to work. So just Krishna giving him that one advice, get up and fight, didn't really work. Arjuna made more argument. Okay, that's great, but why? How can I? Vishmam aham sankhe dronam cha madhusudana isubihi pratiyotsyami pujarha arisudana How can I fight with Bhishma and Drona who are worthy of worship with arrows? And then he addresses Krishna madhusudana and arisudana. So Krishna is called Madhusudan because he slayed demon Madhu. Bhagavad Purana does not really say anywhere when Krishna did this. Actually, Puranas talk about demon Madhu in Kaitab, destroyed by Vishnu in Hriya Griva incarnation. So Madhu means pleasant. That which feels pleasant but not good for me, is the Madhu demon. Things which is pleasurable, but clearly not good for me. Eating sweets if I have diabetes. Is the demon Madhu. And Krishna is Madhu Sudhana. With the right understanding, you can kill that. Our own ego is demon Madhu. It's very comfortable and pleasant to be in your vanity, in your arrogance. That feels much better. I am the I am the best, you know. I do my job right. All that your ego and vanity is demon madhu. Krishna is the slayer of that demon madhu. If you don't identify with her little self and give up that pleasure of having that vanity of I am the doer and I am the enjoyer, then you will have the real peace and happiness. So therefore, Arjuna addresses him as Madhusudana. Just as you destroy demon Madhu, destroy even this weakness of mind. And Arisudana, destroyer of enemies, or even enemy. So Krishna is here Madhusudana and Arisudana. Implication is that that which 
feels pleasant, but it's not good for me. Oh Lord, take it away from me. You take care of it. And also, Ari Susan, my enemies, my own weaknesses are my enemies. Pardon Gita will say, yourself can be the best friend, yourself can be your worst enemy. So these weaknesses of mine, oh Lord, you take care of. And then he puts his argument for that, how can I do this? Gurun hatva hi mahanu bhavan, sreyo bhoktum bheksham api ihaloke. I would rather live a life of a beggar in this world than killing my great teachers. Hatva artha kamans to guruni hi aiva bunjiya bhogan rudira pradigdhan. And if I fight this battle, because you said get up and fight, and even if I win and have the pleasures which we desired and came here to fight this war, those pleasures will be stained by the blood of my teachers and my relatives. So where is the pleasure in it? We'll stop right here. Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukina Sarve Santu Niramayaha Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Ma Kaschid Dukkha Bhagbave Om Shantihi 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 Harihi Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Harihi Om